Welcome to Summon Your Superhuman. I'm your host, Ria Mestiza, holistic health coach, mind-body performance practitioner, and this is the Pull the Curtains Back insight into how everyday superheroes have experienced tapping into their superhuman potential. To go from fear, frustration, and struggle to soaring next-level astronomical heights, I believe we all have more amazing within us than we know. I believe we all have unique superpowers, and I believe we all deserve to be our superhuman best. So let's dive in. Today, we have a very special guest coming to us from Southern California. Her name is Alyssa Sully, and she is a wellness and life coach. She's been doing this for, I believe, almost about a decade, the same as me. And she's absolutely amazing. She dives into mindset. She's all about reinventing yourself, and which I absolutely love. She has a community called Reinvent You Diaries. And I'm so excited to introduce you guys to her. So welcome to the show, Alyssa. Thank you, Ria. I'm really excited to be here. And I'm really grateful for the opportunity to just share my story and, and talk about, you know, the reinventing process and hope that it provides some insight and perspective and support to anybody that might be struggling with some of the things that I struggled with in my life and, and what I had to reinvent about myself. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's exactly why I wanted to bring you on. So maybe we'll just dive right in and I'll let you talk to that. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I, I started the reinventing you journey, this specific story reinventing you to me is something that we're constantly evolving in life and whether that's around health and wellness or relationships or career, whatever it may be, right. But for me, this specific story, I think would really resonate with your audience in that I had to reinvent myself around my struggle with my self-worth and my self-image because it was being fueled with unhealthy habits and behaviors with food, fitness, and men. So it was a combination of, and I was that girl that grew just really fast in school. So I was never really heavy, but I was super tall and I'm a, a muscular build. And so I just was the big girl. And um, I never really felt like I belonged or was accepted. I always wanted to be small and petite and, and cute, right? Because that's what a girl was supposed to be. That's what, how it was labeled. And so I remember in middle school, I was in the bathroom and I had been washing my hands and I looked up in the mirror and I was standing right next to a girl that was everything I wanted to be. She was small and petite and had like the perfect hair and the perfect jawline and I looked at myself and I was this big girl that towered over her and I had this like Indian structured jaw and I just, I, it just made me want to shrink. And that, that experience still like is very vivid for me because it, it was so impactful, but it was something that also fueled just my, my belief. Like nobody said anything. She didn't even look at me weird. Like it was nothing. It was just what I created in my mind and that fueled my behavior with food um, moving forward. And so by the time I hit high school, I began to yo-yo diet and I didn't know what that was. Right. But everybody dieted. I watched my mom diet. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, I started with cabbage soup. Then you do Atkins, then the 40, 30, 30, then the whatever diet I could come up with. By the time I was about 21, 22 years old, I'd gone through probably 20 to 25 diets. Wow. Yeah. I like, I was really good at yo-yo dieting. Right. But there was never any consistency. 
And it was never really about the dieting. It was just this behavior was fueling my lack of self-worth of trying to be someone that I wasn't. And this body image and this perception I had myself. And so I struggled with yo-yo dieting, but I was also overeating. And so my weight constantly went up and down. Well, then why not work out? That'll solve the problem, right? If I'm overeating and my diets aren't working, I can still dabble with dieting. I can still overeat and I'll just work out. Mm -hmm. So I began to work out and then it became this mask because I now was working out two hours a day, three hours a day. I was counting calories. I still have journals to this day of the calories I was counting. And then I go, I, I do a binge because I really wanted this thing that my diet said I couldn't have. So I'd binge and I'd count my calories and then I'd go to the gym for whatever duration of time I had to, to mm -hmm. burn those calories. But I never correlated any of this behavior with self-worth, with unhealthy. I just thought that that was what you were supposed to do in order to be beautiful. And so my, my binges began to become worse. My compulsiveness towards fitness became worse. And then eventually it converted and became bulimia. And for me, I, my bulimia, I wasn't aware it was bulimia, but I was taking laxatives. Yeah. I had I had a surgery on my ovary and they, you had to clean out your system before and you had to drink this like magnesium citrate or something. It's this really it, sour drink. It gives you the apple splatters straight away. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, I learned. So yeah, I took that and I was like, Oh, well, look at this. Mm. Now I can, now I can binge and clean out whatever, because when I would binge, I couldn't work out because I was in so much pain. So I had to recover from my binge before I could work out. So this, this just cycle, like it was controlling my life. That's what I did. I, everything was cycled around food, recovery, fitness, and just this vicious cycle. And then I threw men in the mix because then men validated my worth, right? So if I got a man, then I was pretty enough. And then if I didn't get a man, I wasn't. And then let me fuel my behavior again because this just proved I wasn't good enough, right? Yeah. And this cycle just continued and it took over my life for probably two years, three years. And um, when I started taking the last been doing it consistently. I was doing it for a couple months and I finally paged that this is when we had pagers. I paged my doctor that had done the surgery and I told him what I was doing with the magnesium citrate. And he said, okay, uh, this is bulimia. And I was like, oh, I had no idea. And he said, so, and I was part of the reason why I was exhibiting this behavior too, is because he put me on birth control to help with my cysts from growing on my ovaries. Yep. And I was scared I was going to gain weight. So like I'm, I'm taking these pills now. I'm scared I'm going to gain weight. And then I'm already binge eating, which I know contributes to weight gain. So now I got to take the laxatives, but then I got to work out, but then I got to recover. And then if I don't get a man, then I'm really not worth it. Like this just constantly this, this going on in my head and controlling my life. And so, um, when he told me, I want you to get off birth control and then you stay in contact with me if there's any other issues, if you struggle with, with this pattern again. And so, you know, in the reinventing process of what I had to do, and this is, these are four steps that I've applied in any area of my life, but specifically 
as I recovered from my struggle with my relationship with food and men and my um, fitness and then my self-worth was that I just had to stop everything. I was in, I was in this hamster wheel. I was in this rat race in my mind of just constantly going and obsessing about so many things that it was really hard to even ground myself or grasp what I was doing and, and the pain I was putting myself in and, and the struggle. And so I just stopped. And when I paid to my doctor, that was kind of my first sign of, okay, I'm stopping. So was that your pivotal moment when you say when he told you it was bulimia or was that was it? Yeah, it was my wake up call because I knew what bulimia was, but I'd never heard of it from my version. I'd only heard of it from throwing up, but I hate throwing up. Yeah. So I'd rather be on the other end. It's the same thing. It's coming out of me, right? right? It seems okay but, when it's coming out the other end. Right, right, right. And at least in my head. Yeah. So when he told me, I was like, oh my gosh, wow. And I knew you know, it got to the point where my binges were so bad. Like I would go to, I don't know if you have these in Australia, but I go to Del Taco, I get a big meal. Then I go to Dairy Queen and get a blizzard. Then I'd run to the store and get candy and I literally consume it all. So when I say it's a binge, it was like a legitimate binge that I'm doing probably four or five days a week. But the gaps were really because that was my recovering time. I probably would have done it more and then I would go obsessively work out. Mm -hmm. And so once I stopped, I really began to just stand still and, and look at what I was doing and what I wanted to be different. And though I didn't really understand what the difference was, I just knew everything that I was living by didn't feel good. And so I had gone to a bookstore and I walked in and I, I went to the self-help section and I found a book called Breaking Free from Emotional Eating by Janine Roth. And she eventually became very famous. I don't know if you've heard of her. Have you heard of her? Um, no, doesn't ring a bell. No. Okay. She, um, she was on Oprah and that's kind of how she like really blew up. But at the time she hadn't um, been real famous, but um, she's the first person that showed me what emotional eating was. Like, I didn't even know what an emotion was like, you have emotions, like, you know, you feel, but I didn't know that my emotions and my, my thought process could be fueling my behaviors with food. And so reading her books and then I got her audiobooks, it was a spot where I was standing still long enough to see, okay, this is what's happening. This is what I'm doing. This is, these are tools and resources I can try to apply to get a different result. And then I started again, I started the journey of, of living differently. And I'm not going to say that that was easy as much as it was kind of this up and down journey of awareness, because when you realize that I'm about to go binge, because I feel like this, I'm not pretty, or I feel like a man doesn't want me or because um, I just want to avoid something I don't like the, I began to journal and the awareness and the chart system that she taught me was just really eye-opening. And so it was kind of this ebb and flow and, and there wasn't punishment. It was, it was just recognizing that, um, you know, I had some needs and that's okay if you have needs, but food isn't going to fix it. And for me, the thought that food and fitness and men won't fix my problems was a really odd thought process. Um, 
And so I just continue to um, stay the course. And so that's step number four in, in the reinventing you process is, you know, you will begin to recognize the habits, behaviors, beliefs, and stories you've been living by that are fueling the behavior that's getting you the outcome that you don't want. And the only way to really create the change that you want is to look at your habits, look at the patterns and start to make small changes. And I want to speak to, you know, I had this, if I, you know, when I thought of an opportunity to really change that I see this big audacious goal of, okay, I no longer want to let food control me, fitness control me and men control me, but it had been controlling me for so long. That's a big audacious goal. Mm-hmm. And I want to have the big goal, but the thought of getting from here to there can be really overwhelming and scary. Yep. And so I had to really chunk it down. And that's what I, I really emphasize. And I, and I think so important in, in, in when I guide people through the process, because you create a list of the action steps you're going to do and you prioritize those action steps. And then you do three a day. You have to chunk it down and keep it small because Every step along the way is building your self-confidence and self-trust and an understanding about yourself that will fuel you forward. If you think you're going to go from here to here, one, that it's, it's not possible, but two, it's going to overwhelm you and you're going to get intimidated and you're just going to stop along the way. And we don't want that, right? We want to continue to progress forward. So I encourage people to take baby steps and that's three steps a day towards, you know, and for me with the relationship with food, it was literally eat when I'm hungry. That sounds easy, but that was not because food controlled me. Yep. Write down anytime I ate when I wasn't hungry. And then I had to score my hunger level. So there was no punishment if I ate outside of hunger, but how hungry was I? And what emotion motion was present, but that was it. Three, three a day, anytime. Like that was all I did was focus on these baby steps that eventually led me to the end result of, I know I'm worth it. I don't, I don't need a man. I'm divorced now. Like a man will not define me. And I'm not saying that it's not great to have a relationship. I'm just saying that for me for so long, that was a defining uh, factor. Um, It's okay. If I'm not the same size or have the same body type as everyone else, like that's me, like I'm my own individual, you know, there's a lot of beauty and uniqueness and, and having different body types and, um, you know, just owning who you are. And, and so, you know, that's, that's my journey in a nutshell, just consistency and, and really finding, uh, shifting that mindset and the beliefs that I was living by to become a new me. That's amazing. And it has been quite the journey. I I relate a lot to your your journey, and I and without having to to you know we could extend this for far too long if we were to dive into all the little details. But I mean, ironically enough, you wouldn't think it because I'm actually I like to think I'm average height, but I I had a really quick growth spurt in primary school, so I was also the you know you wouldn't think it if you knew me now you'd be laughing, um, but. I was the tallest girl in my primary school. <laughs> so I was the girl at the back line in the photo, in the glass, in the, in the class photo. Me too. Uh, you know, I, I had the development first. So I was, I was growing the, uh, the boobs and I hated it because no one else had boobs mm-hmm. and everything like that. And then it's like, I stopped, you know, so everyone surpassed me after that, right. but I, I totally understand what you're saying. I, yeah, it was just, and people look at you like, what? you're, you're weird, you know? Um, yeah. And, and 
I, yeah, definitely did not fit in in high school in any shape or form, you know. So, uh, I, uh, yeah, and all of the perception, self-perception of, of wanting to be the pretty girl and not feeling like the pretty girl. And, you know, we, we women, we go through so much, like, you know, because back when I guess when, when you and I were, were younger, it's like there was different different idols back then, the, the small petite girl, the skinny supermodel, and, right. you know, you were supposed to be petite and skinny back then. Right. And, you know, yeah. even though by frame I'm somewhat petite, um, but I always saw myself as, as fat because in, in, in some terms I am, I was skinny fat because I was very, uh, I always held weight around my midsection and I mm. hated it. And I was always very self-conscious about that. Yeah. And all I really wanted was abs. <laughs> you know, and, and exactly the same thing. It's like you go out on the weekends and you're like, all right, I need to uh, make sure that I fit into that dress I'm going to wear on the weekend. So I'm basically going to starve myself, hit the gym, you know, do lots of cardio to burn off all the calories, the quote calories I've eaten. And then yeah. I'll fit into that dress. And then that day, like most of the time I'll eat nothing. Like I'll eat very little that day because I have to fit into that dress where that, you know, look hot that night. And then the next day it was just a massive binge. It was just because you're starving, right? (laughs) So so by Sunday, you know, if you've you've drank, you're you're hungover and you're hungry. So you're eating all of the food in sight. (laughs) And then by Monday, you just want junk food. So it's like to soak up the alcohol. And then on Monday and Tuesday, and then you're feeling fat again. And then you're like, oh, my God, I'm disgusting. All this self-talk that's going through. And then you start the process again and it's just this, like you said, it's the hamster wheel, but it's just like the most unhealthiest psychological head screw um, to go through. And we women go through that for at least, mm, you know, 15, 20 years, right? As soon as we sort of hit that age where dating is a thing and, you know, perception is like you want to, you want to be pretty and you want to be liked and liked by men, you know, attracting partners and, why aren't, why aren't I in a relationship? And then you start right. questioning yourself, you know? So everything you've said there is just so real and so true for, for all women. I don't think there's any woman, you know, my, one of my closest friends in high school, she, uh, she had, she went through anorexia cause she was the chubby girl. She didn't mm-hmm. want to be the chubby girl anymore. And she got hospitalized and it just got to that point. And, it, and it's, that was eye opening for me, but even then I was too young to understand really the psychological reasons behind that and that I was doing my version of it you know with myself in that cycle of I'll eat less exercise more Mm -hmm. you know which is what I try to promote now is eat better not less yeah um and not trying to be at the gym for two three hours because I mean who's got time for that right you want to have a life too so it's just super fascinating that I, I mean I've made a realization people deal with emotions in a very unique way and I find it's, it's a form of self-harm and some, and, and people do that in their own way, but the most common one is, is food and mm. emotional eating. You know, I yeah. used to joke that 10 years ago, I was like, ah, oh, we women are so emotional. And especially around our period, we like want to eat all the food and we get a little bit neurotic about it, but everybody, male, female, we all emotionally eat in some form because they're especially now with foods and I think that's probably going to be another whole discussion it really heightens that reward 
those reward senses in our, in our brain to be like, this is amazing. I feel great. But it also, what goes up must come down. And so I, I think it's really great that those steps that you took with noting down when you ate, when you weren't hungry, I think that's fantastic. And also did I eat because I was emotional? And I think that that connection is so empowering. I mean, I'm sure it was for you back then because initially you wouldn't have gone, it's it's self-worth, it's men, it's, you know, no. you had to make those, connect the dots, so to speak. Yeah. Well, and it's also almost acceptable as a woman because I'm a woman and I'm dieting and I'm trying to be thin. That's like what society tells you to be. So I wouldn't, I would have never perceived it as something other than that's just how you're supposed to live because you're a girl. Yeah. And I think it's actually even worse now because back then we just had the magazines that had like the girl on the front cover and all the little diets and things that, you know, we would follow and be like, oh, they do that workout. They do that diet. And oh, if I do that, then I'll look like that girl. And that's what right. I'll do. You know, yeah. whereas nowadays they've got it everywhere. It's on, right. you know, all the social media. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's all filtered. So you think like it's impossible yeah. to even achieve. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, I, I it's something I, I quote from you saying um, that 95% of diets fail. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's, yeah. it's, it's 100% true, right? The best yeah. diet is the, not the diet. I mean, the best diet is something sustainable, is, is, mm-hmm. is something sustainable, basically, which is in a diet. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. And to this day, I don't diet. So uh, what was that? I was like 23, 24 when I stopped my struggle, when I, when I finally overcame my struggle. And um, I haven't died since. I like, I learned so much about just, just myself, like dieting isn't, isn't, it's not the cure. It's, it's just another mask because really, as you, you know, you're speaking to, you don't eat, it's not less, it's, it's eating your food choices. Right. And um, yeah, so I don't diet to this day. And I, I'm thankful I I model that to my kids that they don't see that because I was, that was modeled to me, uh, fitness and, and food. Yeah, hundred so. percent. And they're very lucky to have you as their role model, oh, um, thank you. especially like we were talking about in this day and age, yeah. um, which leads me to my next question. I mean, I'm sure you, you, this is a question you've probably got a whole lot and I get it all the time and it's, why can't I stop binge eating? Hmm. Well, it's, it's the thought that's fueling it. So For me, I couldn't stop binge eating because I was addicted to, there was a high that came with it. It was my punishment, but a reward at the same time. So I didn't, and it was almost like this, um, I had to justify, if if a man didn't want me, let's say, I had to justify that. So I binged because that validated that that's why he didn't want me. So now it became a punishment, but then it became the high because now I'm at the gym and I'm like, yeah, like, look at me, I'm getting out here. And so it's, there was the, it's the thought process. It's your thought pattern. Like, does it make sense when you hear what I just said? Did it make any sense? No. But the reality was, is that I, it was an unconscious behavior I had. And I had to, the moment I began to track my behaviors and recognize, okay, am I hungry? No, 
Like, why do I want to go buy this big bag of peanut M&Ms and down it? Well, the reason is, is because he didn't call me back. That's the only reason I wanted to binge. If I really looked at the reason why now I'm relating this to men, but I think many people that could be from a financial perspective. It can be from, you know, I didn't get the job I wanted. It could be that I didn't fit in my pants today. Well, then I'm just going to go punish myself. Right. So we all have the inner dialogue for me, it was in relation to men. And then that goes back to more stories of my struggle in my relationship with my father. So what is, what are the thoughts fueling your behavior? Um, You know, did you, did you read the magazine and you believe magazines have all the answers and then you realize you didn't fit in your pants and this becomes that vicious cycle. So for, I believe, and, and just in, in my history and in, in helping people with their relationships with food, it's just the story that's associated with why you want to binge in the first place. Yeah. What are, you, what are your thoughts around that? Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, I didn't know it then, but I definitely had a low self-esteem. Mm-hmm. I had a low self-esteem and no one on the outside would have known that because the way that I portrayed myself and I dressed myself really, you know, in a certain way, I perceived myself to be that pretty girl and, and all that sort of stuff. Whereas inside my, my confidence level was super low and right. yeah. And I relied on people to be like, Oh, you look beautiful. Oh, I love that dress. Oh, those shoes are amazing. Like I relied on compliments to fuel my, my confidence. And yeah, yeah I think that that really is um, the source of, and I guess not, not knowing, not having that connection to my, to my true self or or understanding who my true self really was, you know, we're so easily influenced when we're younger and and it's the people we hang around and we're trying to fit in. Um, These things really, you know, trigger a lot of our own behaviors, like you were saying. And then it's not till something happens generally that we, we do a pattern interrupt and then reassess. And it's like, why, why am I, why am I acting this way? Or why do I care that he didn't call me or, you know, Oh, like who, why is that even a thing? Yeah. Whose values are they? Like, you know, and that's that value system. It's like, whose values are they? Are they mine? Are they my parents? Are they my friends? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And the influences around us, like you're saying, yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, it's, we look at anyone who struggled with food. We don't really realize the depth of, of, what's behind it. I did not know that I did not have self-worth. I did not know that I allowed relationships with men to fuel my confidence. Um, And I think, you know, I don't want to make it sound like it's a horrific process of transformation. It's just a journey. And if you really want to heal, it's just a, it's just taking those baby steps and recognizing what isn't working, put in new patterns in place, and you can get the end result that you want. It's a beautiful process when you get there. And it's, and there's definitely, you know, it's not about being perfect. It's about staying the course and being willing to put in the time. Because it took me, because of how far down the rabbit hole I was, and I think everybody's in different stages, right? You know, there's some people that are right at the top of the rabbit hole, and they're looking in, they're like, something needs to shift. Some people are halfway down that rabbit hole and they're like, okay, yeah, I'm ready to make some changes. And some people like me were at the rock bottom of that rabbit hole. 
And um, so for me, it took longer to climb out, but you don't have to be that far. So maybe this podcast might be of service to someone who's not as far down the rabbit hole and recognizing, okay, I have this self-worth piece, or I have this talk track or this belief system that's fueling this behavior. And let me explore that and take those baby steps to heal. Yeah, I think that what you're saying and the work that you and I do in in helping people dive deep into into who they truly are and what they truly want is is so impactful. And when I meet women, and it's mostly women who will open up about these sorts of things, and they'll say, "Hmm, um, you know, I, I really want to be this weight, or I really want to look this way. I really want to have." you know, toned arms and the flat stomach, or I want to, yeah, I want to get back to that weight I was. And mm-hmm. it's, and these women are in their thirties and forties and you're thinking, well, well, why, why, why do you want to look like that? Like what's, why is that important to you to, to be that weight, to look that way? Like what's, what's that going to bring to your life? Like, are you, are you single? Are you trying to meet somebody? Are you, are you trying to, to regain youth? You know, like, like, what is it? What is the true source of that? And um, unfortunately, what I find is, is for women who don't take the time to do that self-development work and, and inner work that you and I sort of help promote, I guess, and, and most women actually go searching for this, but for the women that, that, that don't take that time, they, they suffer as a result because yeah. I meet women in their thirties and forties who still have that same relationship with the dieting because mm-hmm. they've yo-yo dieted their entire life. They're still weighing themselves every day. They're still counting calories and going, all right, well, I've binged this weekend or I've had these events this weekend and I've eaten way too much. So Monday I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to make sure that I do this and that to make sure I burn all of that. And, and it's just, it's, it's saddening to me to, to see that, that these are things that can still carry over when we don't take that time to care for ourselves. Right. Um, yeah, that's, that's definitely. Yeah. Absolutely. Building that piece. And I'll be really transparent with something that surfaced for me recently and how I know I've evolved as an individual is that I love fitness. Like I love, like I love working out, but my routine is five days a week. I do a 30 minute hit class hit workouts, which is high intensity interval training for those of you who aren't familiar with the term and it incorporates weights. And so I'm pretty toned. I'm 150 pounds. I'm over five, seven and I'm 22% body fat, which I just found out yesterday, but I just had never really done it. And like I did this thing. And so at the gym, they had this thing, but I am seeing someone who's like, he could be a model. Like he is, he varies between seven and 10% body fat, amazing body, his ex-wife, she is a fitness model. So her body fat percentage is probably like 15%. Like, I don't know, but she's freaking ripped, right? (laughs) I am not trying to be her. If he doesn't like me for me, We say I have the same value system where fitness and health is important, right? Mm -hmm. But I am not trying to now be 15% body fat and shift my whole diet and shift my workout regimen because she works out totally different than me to become somebody that he was with, right? Or to try and live up to a certain standard that's not in alignment with who I am and what I want. Like 
I'm fit. I'm healthy. I feel good in my body. Like, you know, um, and so, and I just speak to it because I'm proud of myself for who I've evolved into becoming, because if I, when I, if I was my 22 year old self, like, holy cow, I would have gone on a hardcore diet, a hardcore workout regimen that would have been my life. And if he did not want me, then I would be nothing. Mm-hmm. And so I just wanted to share that because I don't know what's going to happen with him, like whatever, but I'm just proud of myself that I'm not trying to jump on that bandwagon and be somebody that's not, I'm, I'm happy with who I am. So That's beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think that that's, that really does speak to the evolving um, that, you know, the full circle that you've come to that point where you love yourself, you're comfortable in your skin and, you know, you don't need a man to validate who you are as a person. And, you know, that's, that's wonderful. Like that, you can't ask for anything more than that. And yeah. Yeah, I've been there too with, with the guy that's like, oh, you get a little heavy around there. And then it's like, then you, you're super paranoid and you're like, oh my God, am I? And then you start to, and, you know, so you, having a partner that fully loves and accepts you for who you are and thinks you're beautiful, even when you think, oh man, I'm not having a great day. <laughs> <laughs> but then right. something but then that partner says, Wow, you look really pretty. Like you look beautiful today. You know, and you're mm-hmm. like, oh wow, thank you. Yeah. And it's it's that's that's so much more genuine than what's your body fat percentage? Did you when's the last right. time you get tested? Like, right. oh wow, you can really see a vein on that ab, you know. <laughs> and, and and this is the really funny thing about percentages. What uh-huh. what women perceive, and I'll speak to it real quick because it's so common. Because when people when women yeah. come to me at the gym, you know, my clinic's within a gym and they're just like, oh what percentage do I need to get down to? Is it like 15%? Like what are those, what do you get down to when you do a bodybuilding comp? Surely it's like, you're like single digits. And I was like, hang on a second, hold up. Those, those shredded pretty girls on, on social media that look really lean, they're around 19, 20%. And, and people don't, they're like, no way. Like, and even, so I, I, I do a yearly DEXA because I don't really have anyone in my state that I can, can do caliper testing that I do with my clients and things. Um, but I, I cause DEX is like a full on uh, X-ray, you know, and it checks your visceral fat and everything. And the last one I did, um, I was about 19%. And the, one of my clients is a male and he was just like, Oh, you're 19%. No way. Like you're super lean. Like it goes, I thought you would be like 13, 14%. And I said, well, thank you. I said, but that that's the misconception is you, is we think we need to be in the low teens in percentage, but what actually is what you're saying, 22%, 19, 22%. um, Actually it's 20 plus really 20 to early twenties is a healthy body fat percentage to be, but that's not what people believe, you know, Mm -hmm. to be true. So it's like, and it's the same thing when we do, when I do a bodybuilding comp, no, that none of the judges are looking at you going, you're, you're, you're 12% body fat. No, they don't care. It's how, it's how you look and it's how you present yourself. It's all about presentation. You know, like you could be, you could be 18% and, and the person next to you could be 14% but you present yourself better and you have more confidence in yourself and you're happier within your skin. And whereas that other girl that's 15% is just, she's that, that old us, right? Like she's the one that's just like, Oh, I really hope they like me. I really <laughs> hope that they like think I look really good. I've, Oh, I've worked really hard. I hope they can tell. 
you know, versus the woman that's like, I'm really proud of myself and I'm really excited to be here today to show you what I've, what I've accomplished, you know? So yeah, Yeah. definitely a testament to, to all of the time and work that you've done with yourself and, you know, with others. Yeah. Well, and thank you for like shedding light on that because uh, it is like, I mean, I've never really followed percentages, um, but I'm aware of them. And um, so I can only imagine that just becomes another number that people obsess about. Mm-hmm. Um, I always had obsessed about the scale number, which depending on which scale you stand on, um, you know, but uh, I, yeah, I can see how women obsess about percentages. Um, yeah. So thank you for shedding light on that. That's- that's, that's, I think it's something that needs to be spoken more about, you know? Yeah. I mean, I have a, I have a client in her forties and she's obsessed with being a certain weight. And so we're obviously dealing with, with, with those issues behind why she feels like she needs to be, you know, um, what's the equivalent in pounds. Um, let's just try to figure it out. Oh, that's going to be tough, but it's, it's a weight that I probably haven't been since I was 12 years old and she's obsessed with being that weight. And yeah, it's, it's crazy. Right. And you're just like, why? Like, you know, you're beautiful. Like you train, you look amazing. Like, you you know, she's stunning. And, and it's just like, do you want to look like a teenage girl? Like I couldn't think of anything worse, you know, like I saw a clip once where like this woman, she was on a golf course and she was super tiny. Like she did look, she had that teenager frame. Right. And then this guy comes up and he's like, Oh, hey, like, hey. And then she turned around and he's like, oh, sorry, ma'am. And like, he was just like backed off because he, he thought that like she was, you know, this really young, young. trying to like get to her and be like, hey, how yeah. you doing? And then she was just turned around and he's like, oh, sorry, ma'am. Sorry. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like we're women, like we have curves and, and we have yeah. all these great things and, and our bodies evolve as we do as we get older and, and. Right we just have to highlight and appreciate them, you know, yeah. not trying to look like, you know, someone else. Yeah. And, and, you know, if, if you were a teenager now and you were that tall muscular girl, my goodness, you would be like the most popular girl in school because look, right. we're popular now. Right. <laughs> right. I know it evolved. Like, yeah, that's so funny what evolves. And my mom was the same like size and build as me, but at the time it was like, hippie time. So like you wanted small, you know, like everything she was, she wasn't, but then she, you know, I was in high school and she's like, Oh, you know, everybody should like your body. Like you, you don't worry about it. I'm like, but they don't mom. Like, it's just funny how, and now everybody like with the Kardashians, I mean, yeah, I don't even know if that's real, but it's, it's I don't have that, but <laughs> so I, I don't even know how to get that, but, but yeah. Yes, that they are, they are making waves in how women are, are perceiving their need to look like, which is, wow. I, I kind of prefer the petite and skinny phase that we had to go through. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, because getting your derriere to be that, yeah, I mean, yeah. I it's... think what the, these women need to realize is by making all these alterations, you know, cosmetic alterations to yourself, mm-hmm. because, you know, most of these butts aren't real. And because butts are hard work to grow, let's be honest. Yeah. And, you know, these, these duck lips and all of the, the cosmetic enhances enhancements that women are making, they're, they're, they're completely altering how you look like, you no longer look like you. Yeah. 
and they're doing yeah. it super young as well. So like when yeah. you when you're you're literally peeking through your beauty and and you've got all these youthful things going on. You're, yeah, you're altering it. Like, yeah. Well, and what's gonna happen when you get older? Like if I got I don't know what you put in your butt. Is that like butt implants or something to make it that large? Like I could only imagine what happens when you get older. Like <laughs> yeah, well, like boob implants, I guess. Same yeah, thing. Probably. You don't really know what you're putting in you, but you're putting something in to enhance it, you right. know. And even guys go as far as getting their calves and things like that. They get implants in there. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. oh I, it's crazy when I learned that. I was like, guys are doing what now? You know, and I mean, you've seen it. They do biceps and things like just just go earn it. You know, if you yeah. if you earn your muscle and you earn those results, you get to keep it. They're yours. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Talk about building confidence. Like I would much rather love and own my stretch marks as a mom. I have stretch marks on my butt. I have stretch marks, like a cat attacked me on my stomach. Um, you know, I work out and I tighten that area. Is it perfect? No. When I do a push up, it sags a little bit, but I had kids it's stretched out. I mean, I know women who then go get a tummy tuck and it creates stretch marks the opposite direction. So I have a friend her skin is still loose because it's funky. And then she had to get, she got tattoos all across her stomach to hide the tat, the stretch marks that now this way, vertical and horizontal. So it was worse than if she just embraced the, <laughs> the little bit of extra, extra skin in the stretch marks she has. But yeah. That's, a, that's crazy. Yeah. The things that you can do nowadays and, and the extent yeah. that people go to just to try to be quote, Perfect, you know, and I, I know that that's something that you and I also have in common is is trying to be perfect and that perfectionism, which you know now I've realized is perfection is paralyzing. Right. That it's Absolutely. it truly is paralyzing. Yeah, and it stops you from doing anything at all. Right. <laughs> yeah. It fuels that fear of I will never reach it, um, and it's because you can't. So embrace what you become, set a goal and strive for it and do the work and get the results and, you know, go through the journey. That's where the healing and the, the, the self-gratification and the confidence comes from. It's not from paying somebody to pop in something and calling it good. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, mm -hmm. I think this has been absolutely filled with so much great content. I think this is going to be able to help so many women at whatever stage that they're at, you know, whether they're at the, like you said, at the top of the rabbit hole looking down or if they're halfway, you know, or they're, or they're deep. It's, yeah. it's, it's just that awareness of knowing that something has to change and, yeah. and loving yourself enough to initiate change uh, to move forward and to become the you you're supposed to, which is, is what I love what, what you're all about with the reinventing you um, coaching that you do and the community that you're building. Uh, it's really, really a beautiful thing. Well, thank you, Ria. I appreciate it. And I created a PDF with the four steps mm -hmm. of, of just getting unstuck. And it's just a simple, you know, process. You can just start implementing today, the stop, stand still, start again and stay the course. And it's just a reminder of, you know, when you feel, feel stuck. So they're welcome. Um, to, to access that at any point if they, they feel they need the reminder. But, yeah. Absolutely. I recommend everyone going to your website to download that uh, at their earliest convenience um, mm -hmm. because, you know, a quick four-step process like that 
you know, can make a big lasting change in your life. So thank you so much for offering that to, to my audience. Um, a final question I want to ask you, I mean, obviously, you know, this podcast is called summon your superhuman and Mm -hmm. uh, for the people who can't see the video, I have a wonder woman, um, image in my background, which I always think is fitting when I speak to strong and, and loving courageous women like yourself. So I just wanted to ask you what, what does summoning your superhuman mean to you? Summoning your superhuman means to me, it's, it's the process of what you're willing to do to become your most authentic self. Because that's where love is. That's where beauty is. That's where fulfillment is, is being who you are and not trying to be anything other than that. And not allowing society or people or, or perceptions of others or these old stories we play or these old labels we gave ourselves to control our lives. But it's being true to ourselves, summoning that part of us that is just beautiful. We don't have to be anything other than who we were born to be. And we don't have to pretend. So to me, it's, it's that process of learning how to really embrace who you are and your most authentic self and being your own superwoman, superhuman. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. I think we need not say anything more. That's a perfect Mm -hmm. way to finish this off. Thank you so much, Alyssa, for your time today. Everyone catch Alyssa at um, alyssasully.com, download that PDF, get in touch, get connected with her. And I'll definitely be staying connected with you, Alyssa. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Rhea. Yeah, and you'll be on my podcast soon. So you guys keep an eye out. (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you, Rhea. I appreciate it. Have a great day. Thank you. There were so many gems covered in this episode. I recently went to an International Women's Day event where the first female Prime Minister, Julia Gillard, spoke about gender discrimination. And it's sadly imprinted upon us to care about how we look and how we present ourselves. We even do it to each other. Julia spoke about a man, I don't remember his name, but she spoke about how he was highly regarded, even though he looked like he's never brushed his hair and he would tend to have food scraps or stains to his clothes, but people would just say, oh, it's part of his charm and never question his character. But when we think about it, ladies, if we saw a woman not well put together, so to speak, we would think that she wasn't so put together. This needs to change. And it just reminds me the origins of my my business, Fitseek Wellness and Performance. The name Fitseek actually comes from everyone's fit physique is unique. And the reason being is because I often get a lot of people that say, well, I I admire your body or I want to look like you, Rhea. And I really appreciate that. Like I take that with, with great thanks. I've worked very hard to look the way that I do. But when I look at the the structure of of an individual and and I see, for example, you have beautiful curves. I don't. So when we work together, we need to work on accentuating what you already have been blessed with. So I hope you'll reflect on what Alyssa and I here have spoken about today. Try her four-step process. Or at the very least, note if when you eat is because you're hungry or you're emotional. 
and maybe just jot it down for a week and just take note. I don't think I've ever met a woman who hasn't had a form of eating disorder, whether she acknowledges it or not. But the key takeaway is you are worthy and you deserve to be loved first and foremost by you and then love on each other. (laughs) So make sure you share this with someone you feel needs to hear this. Follow and subscribe, Summon Your Superhuman. And if you haven't already joined the MVP list for exclusive invitations, make sure you get to it. Until next time, strengthen your mind, body and soul muscles, superhuman. And stay amazing.